Well, of course, this morning, for this morning's message, we're going to be looking at the resurrection, talking about the resurrection and its implications. This morning, I actually, um, I brought a visual. Never done that before. Here's the visual. You're wondering, what is this? This is a branch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a branch. Do you know what this looked like about a little over a month ago? A dead stick. A dead stick is what this looked like a little over a month ago. Totally dead. And on these, these little nubs, you, they started pressing through about that time. You started, you know, March. Depends. It fluctuates. I don't know exactly when it happens. But you start to see the little buds on these dead twigs. And from these buds, start pressing through these little leaves. And, and next thing you know, it starts like this, and the leaves get bigger and bigger and bigger and new life. And then, if it's a fruit tree, fruit starts to come. It really is. This right here is a miracle. It happens every year. You know what startled me this week? I was sitting in my office contemplating what happens here, and I realized... It would have been the weirdest thing ever if you were an adult to experience fall. Because in fall, everything starts mysteriously dying, right? And it's going away. And just think if you didn't have a chance to get informed, God didn't tell you what was going on, He didn't get clue you in, but things just started shriveling up and dying. Next thing you know, all the trees look dead, dry branches. We would have been freaked out. God has forsaken us. We're done. We're dead. Look around. There's no fruit. He's forsaken us. He's gone. I tell you what, it really would have beefed up a lot of prayer and fasting and repentance and examination of life that first fall. You go into winter and it gets worse. It's dark. It's cold. It's barren. It's bleak. But could you have imagined the first spring when all of a sudden breaking through this dead dry branch was this leaf and out of the ground pressing out of the ground comes these green blades of grass and 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 flowers and you would have done the dance of joy thinking that just maybe just perhaps what has happened? This is a miracle upon all miracles. Out of death comes life. The And next thing you know, it it gets better. It gets fuller. It gets brighter. It gets warmer. And fruit starts hanging off tree. Well, you would have been doing cartwheels thinking, God has heard our prayers. He's he's answered us. He's come through. He must have repented and and done what he said. He's blessed us. And, And then the fruit, it's abundant. And you're dancing for joy because things are good. And the weather's warm. And the grill is going. And everything's great. And then second fall comes. Oh, God, what have you done? Did we sin again? And this would have probably went on if you had, imagine no knowledge of it, how it all works. How long would it take for, wait a second, I've seen a pattern here. This, is, this happens, and it's around the same time. 
and before seasons in your mind develop. So the calendar and all of creation is screaming out, declaring to us and showing us something that, hey, you know what? I got, I got something for you. Out of death comes life. How do you know that? I, just, I see it every year. It's miracle. It's an absolute miracle. And it's glorious. And it causes us to give joy and hope and know that we have fruit again. Life again from the dead. This here has told you a story. And ever since you were a child, you were being told a story. That out of death comes life. And you know what story it was alluding to? The great story. Where Jesus was raised from the dead. Out of death comes life. God started telling the story from the very beginning. All of creation is crying out and telling us a story of the resurrection. That Jesus indeed rose from the dead. And this morning, I want us to look at three things. I want us to look at the resurrection from this angle. First of all, what does this tell us about Jesus and who he is? Second of all, what does this have to say and mean toward us? And thirdly, how then should we live in light of this resurrection? So first of all, what does the resurrection tell us about Jesus? Is that a good question? Legitimate question. I think it's a great question that we all ask. What does it say? In the first place, it tells us that even though death, even though death has conquered every person that ever lived, ever lived, it could not conquer Jesus. Every person from the beginning of time has been swallowed up by death. And you know what man has always sought to do? Man has always sought to somehow beat it. To conquer it. Isn't it our continual desire to, say, to, to stop aging? To stop the grave from coming and one more drops, another one drops, and another one drops. And, an, and men have sought from the very beginning to stop it. We hate it. One man beat it. Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus is more powerful than the grave. And his resurrection from the grave proves it. You want to see that you're better than it, stronger than it, can overcome it? What would prove it? The resurrection. To come up from the dead and rise to newness of life. And that tells us something else about Jesus. He was different. He is greater than death. He is no ordinary man. Jesus was the God-man. Clearly had to have been the one who took on death and beat it. So all that Jesus said about his being greater than Abraham and Moses and being one with God and his being the I am before Abraham was I am, all these statements, guess what? It was validated and declared true. True. The resurrection proves it. Nobody, no man has ever or could ever conquer 
the grave, but Jesus did. Who else in history in this world has taken on death and beaten it? Death has taken every man down. No one else in this world rose from the dead except for Jesus. No one else has had hundreds of witnesses testify to the facts that this man was dead on Friday. And on the third day on Sunday morning, they went from the grave as we read in Matthew 28 this morning. And guess what? He wasn't there. He's risen from the dead. The only man in history. Jesus actually has caused others to raise up from the dead. And through Jesus, others have raised up from the dead. But Jesus is the only man who ever himself was raised from the dead. And therefore, Jesus is no ordinary man. Jesus is God. He's different than every other man. The resurrection also tells us this about Jesus. That right now, today, right now, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Jesus didn't die, sorry, Jesus didn't resurrect to to life only to somehow later die again. Jesus rose from the dead and then he went forth up into heaven to sit at the right hand of his father. So here now, you know what, here now, why you can't see him, why we can't see him is because he is veiled, he's ascended into heaven and veiled by that realm in which we cannot see, he's at the right hand of God. This is how the disciples witnessed this very fact in first uh, sorry in Acts chapter 1 verses 6 through 11. So when they had come together when the disciples had come together they asked him Lord this is before he ascended Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel he said to them it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority but you will receive power and the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and when he had said these things And they were looking on. Here's what happened to Jesus. He was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He's gone out of your sight. You can't see him. Why? Where did he go? He went to heaven. So where is Jesus? Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of God. He still right now presently has a glorified body and flesh, but now in heaven. But here's something we have to realize. Heaven is not some far off place. And I've said this on several occasions. It's simply in a different dimension, different realm. Eyes of flesh cannot see this highest heaven. Because when someone passes into there, as they saw Jesus going up, he was gone. He was out of their sight. However, Stephen, we have cases where the heavens were open and we see them. And where are they? They're right there. And they opened up. Stephen, when he, he saw Jesus, when he was getting stoned by those, the other Jews who hated him after what he said, because he proclaimed to them, that they had betrayed and murdered the Messiah. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 7, 54 through 60. Now when they, the people that he was preaching to, heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, and guess what he saw? 
and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened. Do you hear that phrase? I see the heavens what? I see the heavens opened. So God gave him eyes to see. The heavens were opened, and behold, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Jesus is alive and well today and with us now by the Spirit. Jesus is at the right hand of God. And if, the, if your eyes could see, if we were given eyes to see a realm that our eyes cannot see, we would see that that is indeed true, and some have seen it. So what does the resurrection tell us about Jesus? It tells us that Jesus di- did what no one else could do. He conquered death. It tells us that Jesus is no ordinary man, but God. And it tells us that Jesus is alive and well today, right now. But this leads to the next question. What does the resurrection mean for us? First of all, we need to understand that Jesus wasn't just an individual conquering death. This is important, very significant. He was a representative of the new humanity conquering death. Just like Adam, just think back, Adam wasn't simply an individual plummeting into sin and death. Adam was the father of all humanity. All who would be born would be born from Adam and in Adam. So Adam and Eve, here are our first parents. So all to be born have to come from them. That's where we come from. That is, except for Jesus. Jesus was born from above. He was a new kind of man. He was born of a woman, Mary, but had come from heaven, conceived by the Holy Spirit. So unlike the rest of us, he wasn't born of Adam, was he? Jesus wasn't born of Adam. Of the woman from heaven by God. And And therefore, this is significant. Because Jesus did something amazing. Jesus took on the sin and death that was in Adam. The judgment, the condemnation. And from the death, he was born anew. Made alive again. And as a result of this new birth, he births us also from the grave. This is where our new birth comes from, a grave. This, this little illustration here, when this was dead and dry and barren and looked like it was no good for anything, it was a picture of us. But because of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead, he brought life, and now this is a picture of our lives. This is what Jesus does. As a child, we were born from our mother's womb. But as a Christian, we are born from the womb of death. We are born from the dead because the new Adam, Jesus, came to life from the dead. Therefore, all who are born from Jesus and in Jesus become new creatures, new people. These are people who are born from above by rising from the dead. This is the first resurrection. 
which takes place in our hearts, which we realize because of the resurrection. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we all experience, those who are in him, born in him, experience resurrection life. Resurrection life in the new man, in the heart. This is, you've referred to language, you've heard language of being born again, being regenerated, being made anew, being new creatures in Christ. This is all language of what Jesus has done for us. And first, and actually, sorry, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul describes it in a very clear and explicit way how the resurrection impacts our lives here today and now. He says, in starting in verse 1 in Ephesians 2, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying about out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, guess what? You know what he says? Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You were dead. How were you dead? Dead in trespasses and sins. And once you once lived and worked, this was your heart. This is what you, what you were like. Your inward man. Your, you were full of passions and lusts and desires in your own way, your own mind, your own thing. It's all about you. And he says, what happens is that but God, who's rich in mercy, raised us up, made us new creatures so our hearts have new desires. We want new and different things. Jesus' resurrection has caused the miracle to take place in our own hearts. We are given new hearts that love God and to fear God and obey His commands. And this is a miracle that takes place because of the resurrection of Jesus. But there's more. The resurrection of Jesus also means that just as we see Jesus coming up from the ground to new life, we are seeing the fruits, first fruits of what awaits us who are in him. In other words, just as when you see the green shoot poking through the dry twig, that's a first fruit of what's to come. What's to come? More and others. The first one just shows the evidence, the fruit, that yes, it's on its way. Here it comes. Jesus lived and died and rose again as our representative. That's so important for us to understand. He goes before us. And being united to him, we know that we will follow. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23 puts it this way. Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who've fallen asleep. For as by man came death, By a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. The argument here is one of representation. Paul is saying that we went down into death 
Why? Why do we go down into death? Because of our union with Adam. We were connected to Adam. So when he fell into sin and death, all his posterity, all those who are from him and in him are born in sin and death. That is why we're born sinners. Did you volunteer for it? No. It is because you were born. You were born of, of Adam and Eve through, the, through their children. In like manner, we come up from death because of our union and connection to Christ. We will go down with him as we went with Adam. But just Jesus went down and rose back up again. And so we will go down and rise back up again, just like he did. So what does that mean for us? What does the resurrection mean for us? It means we receive resurrection life now and a bodily resurrected life later. And both those happen because we are united to Christ, who is our head. Jesus was a new man, the new humanity. And all those united to him receive what he receives, get what he got. So now a question remains. How should we then live in light of the resurrection? First of all, with boldness and courage. Death used to be what the devil would control everyone with. Everyone was afraid to die. Most people today, if they're outside of Christ, are terrified of death, hate the idea of it. Because you know why? They know what it means. It means the end. The end. The end of love they've experienced. The end of family. The end of friends. The end of laughing. The end of eating. The end. There's something definite about it, isn't there? There's something that... And and the rest afterwards remains a mystery to most. But one thing we know for sure, it's an end of what we knew now. It's an end of this current reality. And because of that... Man lives in fear, fear of death. And because he lives in fear of death, he's controlled by anyone who has the power of death in their hands. Anybody who can kill them, they fear. They're terrified of them, so they submit to them. But we have good news. Death has been conquered. Death has been conquered. And those of us who are in Christ now live with confidence and boldness, even in the face of death. That is why throughout the history of the world, since Christ, Christians have boldly faced the mouth of lions, flames of fire, the blade of execution, and the bullets of guns. They've faced them all. The resurrection allows us to smile at death and scare the tar out of those who hold the power of death. Tyrants and devils throughout this world have always loved this power. Because if they have power and the ability to execute, they feel like they can control you, right? If I can put you in fear, this is what tyrants do. You watch any of these movies nowadays, and the tyrant or the villain, if he's a massive world power, he executes people at will. Annihilates them, and they put the people in fear. If they live in fear and if they fear death enough, they will not form an uprising and they will not come against that authority. They will submit to that authority. 
And so they use fear to control them people. But if those people did not fear death, if death had no power over them, how would they act? How would they respond? With courage and confidence and strength and terrify those who are in power. This is why the kingdom of God will explode and expand and why the blood of the martyrs is always the seed of the church as Justin Martyr himself said. Because there is a power in looking at the world power and smiling and saying, you can take my life in this world, but you're just ushering me into the next. My Lord has been risen from the dead. That's their power. That's all they have, and now it's stripped from them. Take my life. And God so uses it when someone boldly stands up in the face of death in the light of Jesus' resurrection that he causes boldness to happen in the life of believers. They watch, they look, and say yes and amen. And now when you emblazon and you embolden the believers to stand in the face of death and do what is right and please their Lord, you have got a terror for tyrants. That scares them. It conquered and defeated the devil, and he knows it. This is why at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Because no power, no authority was able to subdue him. So we can live with boldness and courage because of the resurrection. But you know what else? We can now live also with joy and hope. Joy and hope. There is nothing more glorious or more powerful than a heart filled with joy and hope. On the contrary, if you ever see powerless and depressed people, you're looking at those who have no joy or hope. No joy or hope. Most joy and hope in this life, you know what it comes from? It comes from looking forward to good things on the horizon, right? If something good is coming up, it's coming up. It gives us some joy and hope. This is why we can have joy and hope in the middle of the week, knowing the weekend's coming. We can have joy and hope in the middle of winter, knowing that spring is coming. We can have joy and hope in the season of work and the labor and the toil, knowing that summer vacation is coming. It's the looking forward to this that gives us joy and the hope and the now. It perseveres. A woman can, can go into the labor pains, terrible pains. Why? For the joy set before them. That when the baby comes out, they see them, they cry, and it's worth it. This blessed new life. For the things set before us, the joy set before us, the hope that we have, it, it, it strengthens us for today. You take away joy and hope. If someone's hopeless person, they're deeply depressed and probably on the brink of taking their life. They've lost all hope. They've got nothing to look forward to. But you know what? A hopeless, joyless life is what waits those people who put their hope and joy in this life, in this world. This life is filled with many afflictions. Sure, there's many joys. Sure, there's many pleasures. And God blesses and gives them all. Yet there's many afflictions. There's many trials. Just live long enough and you'll realize. There's many sorrows. There's many struggles. There seems to be no end to disappointments in this life. And if we put our hope and we put our joy in this life, 
we're going to be greatly disappointed. But if we put our hope and we put our joy in the resurrection of Jesus Christ to show us what awaits us in the future, that is our joy, that is our hope, to know that what's his is ours, and what he receives is we're going to receive, and we have life everlasting because of Jesus. Where we put off sorrow, we put off affliction, we put off pain, we put off disappointment, we put off this flesh, we put off the sin, we put off all the corruption, we put it off and we put on newness of life. Now when we do that, those are good days. Those are good times. And guess what? That'll last for eternity. Eternity. This life is but a shadow, but a vapor, but a moment in time compared to the life to come. And Jesus, his resurrection, you know, you know what it does for us? You know what it should, how we should live in light of it? We should be filled with hope. We should be filled with joy. We should be filled with courage and strength. And knowing that that is ours. He's the first fruits. And how do I know that I, I receive it? Because I'm in him. I belong to him. I'm baptized into him. I partake of him every week. He is mine. And what his is mine. He is my representative. He is the new Adam in which I'm joined to and connected to. This is our hope. Listen to Paul, what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But, through, but though the, our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For this momentary Light affliction, man, if anybody can say that, Paul's talking about momentary light afflictions. Beaten, stoned, whipped, flogged, shipwrecked, you name it, he suffered it harshly, and he's calling them light afflictions. Are producing, and this is why he calls it, are producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Listen to this. While we look, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The things that we cannot see. Like we said, heaven is here before us, but we can't see it. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. It's, just, it's more real than flesh. But flesh can't see it and perceive it. And that is our hope. That is, if you want to have joy and hope in this life, don't put it in the things of this life. If you want to have strength and courage, don't look to find it here. Look to Jesus. Look to the life that is to come in Him. Put your hope there. Put your joy there. Make that like your summer vacation at the beach that you're longing and look forward to. Because, you know, to get through the trial today, what do we have to do? We have, we, we, as people, we have to set before us something that will bring us joy and hope. We set before us what? That great thing that we're going to receive soon. That gets us through the trial today. What's getting you through your trials today? What's getting you through your sufferings today? What gives you hope? What gives you joy? What gives you strength and courage? What? May it be today the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
May He be your hope. May what He has done be say, yes, that's what I long for. That's what I want. I want life eternal, resurrected from the dead. The life where I put off uh, corruption and put on incorruption. I put off weakness and I put on power. I put off the natural body and put on the spiritual body. I put on what Christ put on and I put it on for eternity in His presence forever. Is that your hope? Is that what gives you joy? Because if it does, you'll have strength, you'll have courage, you will have joy, you'll have hope in the trials of today. But if in the midst of your trials, what gives you hope and joy is just simply purely getting out of them temporarily, it's a short-lived hope. And then there's another one. They have to meet you right around the corner. Resurrection Sunday. May Jesus be your hope. May he be your life. And may looking to him and his resurrection, may you look at that and say, that is mine and that is what I long for. Happy Easter. Father, thank you so much. So much for Jesus. Jesus, you are indeed greater than death. You are the victor. You are the King and the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who raised from the dead and conquered sin and death. We praise you. We bless you. We sing to you. Because you indeed have risen from the dead. And we're so thankful that we're partakers of you. We're we're connected to you, united to you, and in you. And because we're in you, we are partakers of that resurrection. And because of that, we bless and praise your name. Amen.